Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I am the co-host of the Big Monday Show with Mr. Barry Spears, who will be with us right after the break. We have a lot to cover tonight, as racing never seems to fail to give us plenty of topics to discuss, uh, including the fact that we literally can't time races properly, which is... Well, you know. Anyways, we're going to talk about that. A bunch of other stuff. We're going to give props out to another podcast. There is another one you should be listening to. Uh, We'll tell you more about that in the next few minutes. But um, thanks for for being here and I hope you enjoy the show. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at PleasantAcresStallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Hello, Sniper. What's happening? Home skillet. (laughs) We uh, had a big show tonight. Really big show, right? That's how, uh, what, what's the guy who used to say that? I don't know. Big show. The wrestler, the big show? No. There's like Ed Sullivan? No. Yeah, I don't know. That. Really big show. No, that wasn't Ed Sullivan. I don't know. The only Sullivan I know is Silky. Ooh, come from behind horses, huh? Closers. Closer. I'm I'm more of a life is good kind of guy. So closers is closing is illegal these days. (laughs) Closers. It's like impossible. (laughs) No. It's uh it's a lost art, yeah. The the dead closing dirt horse. The Turkomans of the world. Mm. (laughs) I mean from way, way back. I was uh I was just listening to uh, the Beamy's new podcast. Yes, we do listen to others, other people's podcasts. We he do. Had, uh, Wasn't it, uh, ITP on there again? ITP preaching that wisdom. Guys, sharp as they as it gets. Preaching the wisdom. I'm sure a lot of people will be mad about it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I got about a, through about an hour, a little over an hour. Um, I mean, I was just listening to it five minutes ago. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of great points as usual. And I think anybody that that really wants to to make themselves better, I mean, you make yourself better. Let's let's face it. It's not about listening to what I have to say or what you have to say or what uh, ITP has to say or what anyone has to say. It's it's about um, coming up with your own style of 
of playing and, and handicapping the races, how you watch the races, how you bet the races. You have, you know, different goals, different uh, people have certainly have, have, have a wide variety of bankrolls. Um, but a lot of the things he says are, are common sense uh, orientated that he's right in that you're not getting a lot of uh, educational discussion from the traditional sources in horse racing. So a lot of the betting aspect part of uh, the logic of, of the betting side is lost. And, and it is. And I mean, we don't need to go through the whole, um, you know, the whole process again, but uh, I do recommend it. And he had been on the show. I guess Jason said it had been three years. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. doesn't seem like three years, but uh it was three years ago, but a lot of the stuff that, that he talked about back then and, and, and you know, some of the newer stuff is, uh, is really good and, and um, you know, makes you think and kind of, for me at least, I, I kind of look at some of the, the ways that uh, the mistakes I make and try to, I mean, I do that normally just trying to say, you know what, let me go back and, and look at uh, wh- where did I go wrong? You know, where should I have have changed this best? Should I have pressed more? Should I have thrown out? Um, you know, should I have used a bigger ticket, smaller ticket, wider uh, variety? I mean, there, you know, like you, you're never going to be, you know, no one's ever going to be a perfect betting. I mean, we're always going to make mistakes because, I mean, we're not, it's, it's not done in a fishbowl. Odds change, uh, late scratches. <laughs> Purse money only. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. touchy subject, sir. Uh, it's still open. But Ow. no, it's true. It's true. And and um, I mean, a lot of what he says is is, is makes a lot of sense. And, uh, well, you know, one of the things that that I had to understand is, you know, when when I was kind of processing the game and and learning and. And, you know, making mistakes and you lose money when you make mistakes and, and stuff like that um, is to be, you know, kind of dynamic, being able to be adaptable to situations and understand what you're looking at and making a decision based on what they're giving you. You know, I I, I was never, you know, one to, to kind of pigeon my, my hold myself into certain bets or certain ways of betting. Um, because I could f- always understand that there was a value in, in being able to, to, to shift and say, oh, well, I'm only playing exactors. I'm only making win bets. Um, it, it, I, I find some of that sometimes can um, limit your, your profit potential in a sense where, you know, if you're able to, to mix and match some bets and kind of, do things, um, you know, things that I, you know, something I called like a double move where you, where you capitalize twice on the same horse in different ways. Um, and that, that happens over time, you know, and, and, and from learning from your own betting mistakes and successes and then listening to others, um, no matter how kooky you might think their theory is on why they bet a certain way, or, you know, what kind of horses they use, this, that, and the other. Um, there's always something to be gained 
from listening to someone else, good, bad, or otherwise. And, and you can't shun any of that information. And that's why I wish some of those, you know, kind of TV personalities would talk more about betting rather than handicapping. It's like on, on TV, it's all handicapping. Well, I think this horse is the best horse because not how am I going to bet this horse in this situation? Because most of them don't have the, the betting acumen to relay that to anyone in a, in a way where someone who's on the outside can, can process that quickly and say, Oh, well, I understand exactly what he's talking about or he or she is talking about. Um, and I think that's where a lot of that breakdown comes from because it's more talking about handicapping, which is important, but a lot less important than what you're actually going to bet to make you money. And I think a lot of get, that gets lost um, with the idea of I'm a better handicapper than so-and-so or, you know what I mean? So it, it's just one of those things that, you know, the people in charge or the people that are doing the hiring or what have you, have the ability to change that focus, but they just don't do it. True. I mean, that's, that's all very true. And, and I mean, listen, in all facets of life, we could learn to be better at, at, at pretty much everything. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you see, you, I mean, we talk all the time during the weekends about stuff that, you know, um, sometimes betting and it's like, man, I should have did this. You know, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've texted you, man, I should have played this this way instead of this way. My, my standard, I'm an idiot. Can you believe I? <laughs> can you can you believe what I just did? I mean, it, it happens a lot. And and listen, training horses was was a, a learning process almost every day, and it was so crazy. I remember telling Alan Jerkins one day, um, I can't remember what brought it up, but I said, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what we do over here, and like. Why does he do this? And what about this? And what about that? And, and ah, you know, he kind of like poo-pooed it. And I was like, listen, if we started walking the horses backwards down the shed row instead of, you know, forward, we like back them up, people would do it. And they don't even know why they would do it, but they're doing it because you did it. And, right. And, and it was it was so true. And uh, uh, I mean, there's so much to learn about about horse racing, uh, about horses, about, about anything. And uh, horses will make... Uh, will humble you that that is for sure i mean as great as he's done and he's had about a, a spectacular a year as you could possibly have <laughs> shipping horses to this country charlie appleby still did have two horses flipping the gate in the breeders cup you know <laughs> i mean yeah. certainly they probably you know he, he's probably learned um something you know from that right i mean the guys uh, uh obviously can have a horse a good horse ready to run that's for damn sure but you know they had they had a couple issues and, and I'm sure that that's something that, that they're probably going to focus on next time they, they ship horses over young horses over here. And they'll, they'll probably do a little bit more uh, gate schooling. Probably. I'm not, you know, guaranteeing it, but um, I, I would think that, uh, that they would. And, and, you know, the, the people at the top of the food chain are the ones that, that got there by uh, evolving, by figuring out how and why things are not not just you know following along but they also if you want to stay there you have to adapt too i mean uh you know, look at basketball look at football the changes we've seen over the last 10 15 20 years when i was a little kid watched football it, it was a running game um you know the, <laughs> the top rock would have 60 catches 
Um, if, now guys have 60 catches in half of a season, and it's a passing game. And I mean, the NBA has gone from having big lumbering centers to having guys shoot the ball literally almost from half court. Um, you know, baseball, they do the shift and this and that. I know a lot of people, like, you know, uh, they they kind of uh, poo-poo it and say, hey, you know, like uh, it was better back in the old days and this and that. But it's just about doing things different. There's a reason that things happen. So it's like basketball, I was talking to you the other day about it. The reason that people are wanting to shoot more three-pointers the two-pointers is because it's worth three points. A basket's worth three instead of a basket being worth two. Right. Therefore, you have to make less three-pointers than you do two-pointers. And if you make more three-pointers than, you know, than the other team, then you're going to win by that much more. And it's it's kind of a simple concept. But uh, but no, racing is... Uh, the only thing we, we don't really seem to be evolving in racing is uh, regulation and timing. All of a sudden, <laughs> timing races has become this... Uh, possible thing and uh it's probably because the timing system was developed without bringing any of the people who i shouldn't say this because it's just speculation but this gmax system it's it sucks it apparently and it's been a problem and it's still a problem and it should be trashed and if there's a contract the contract should be ripped up but that's racing, and racing doesn't do that. Racing just takes it. Uh, it's like the auto towed company, or the towed companies are now owned by the racetracks. So there, there's. It's easy to 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 say. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't have any uh, like, uh, you know, secret emails that are smoking uh, guns here. Yes, you but do. Once the races, race racetracks take over something, well then that that's under the umbrella of the track and it's kind of not maybe focused on enough and, and there's not enough, uh, uh, I, I guess focus would be the best word. We're, we're not being as innovative. We're, we're settling. And yeah, it's like, you know, as long as it works at minimum function, it seems like everybody's okay. Instead of going beyond that, you know, and and now it's 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 at the point where things like that are functioning below, you know, any kind of par. So it's it it's just and and it's it'd be okay if they're like, all right, we're gonna address this. Just give us a little time. But there's no indication that they're doing anything to fix any of these issues. That's no, problematic. That's everyone like. Sometimes I think horsemen are, well, you know, time only matters. Yeah, right. Time only matters until the owner takes the horse because your buyers are too low. Right. I was in a race <laughs> about 15 or so years ago at Churchill Downs. And I was a Philly. It was pretty decent. 30 never win two or 50 never win two. Something like that. Not a bad horse, right? And the fractions, it was a one-turn mile. Fractions were, um, this, this is when they used to have the fractions, right, most of the time. And she went three quarters, like 113. And the mile was like one change, right? The chart came out. It superimposed. They mixed it up. And they had, <laughs> oh my 
139 and change. And I really, you know, I saw that and I just assumed that they would correct it. I figured, well, whoever does the buyers is going to fix this because, you know, the Philly used to run around 70 in the 70s, lower 70 buyers, 68, 70, 72, you know, right range. So it comes out. I run or put it back in a couple weeks. That they hadn't changed it. The chart was still wrong. And she finished, I think she finished second or third. So <laughs> when you beat a couple and yeah, a bunch of 70s in a second with a 40 something. Yeah. So she went off like nine instead of she probably should have been nine to five and she won. And, um, and Tom Amos had a horse in the same race. He ran second. The race, he said, you know, I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's <laughs> quality control. It's like, like, well, clearly nobody. It's <laughs> time now. And I mean, the, Bill Finley did an article back in December last year. And by the time Bill Finley does an article, we've already discussed it 10 times. So this has been out. The GMAX system doesn't really work. And who, what track has the system? Delmar has the GMAX system. Randy Moss put uh, made the announcement yesterday that the times, the fractions for the Classic and the Distaff were wrong. And it was interesting that if you watch the race on NBC, you got one version of the fractions. <laughs> if on the live feed, you got another version of the fractions. And it comes to, you know, we come to find out that there's a third version of the fractions, none of which were given. And it was kind of bizarre when Larry Comus is calling the race and he said, Nick Sko goes to the half and 45 point, you know, seven, two or whatever it was listed. When, if you're watching an NBC on the screen, it says 46.18. And the actual time was probably 46.60 uh, right. in that range. So, like, <laughs> Which what one are is- we doing if we can't get simple stuff like this done? It's a problem. Like, why isn't somebody fixing this? Why is there no department of fixing it in this business? Why is always somebody else's problem or somebody else's fault not a big deal and listen if you're a horseman it's a big deal it's a really big deal think about the value of jack christopher all right think about the value of jack christopher when he runs a, a, a faster time than was posted and his buyer jumps 10 points to over 100 for a two-year-old which was the fastest in, in years well that's how horses are valued these days. Right. They're gonna they're gonna put in the advertisement when he goes to stud. Exactly. Well, listen to this. What if you have a, a, a 10 claimer? All right, or, or say a maiden claimer, a horse that might, you know, have a little bit more variety of uh numbers wise, right? All right, so you have a maiden 20, and uh your horse wins the race and they time it wrong. <laughs> and the time it the, the time is, is uh, you know, given is too slow. So they say you want it, you got a 58 buyer, you should have a 70 buyer. Well, you're going based on what, what they gave you, right? 
So you're going to say, well, geez, I won the maiden 20. This horse really isn't that very fast. I'm going to run it back for, for, you know, 10 never win two. Right. When you know, when in actuality, the horse is definitely worth more than that. Right. And <laughs> someone else claims the horse from the 10 never win two and the horse wins by 15 because and a 30 never win. And all of a sudden, everybody thinks you're stupid. When you didn't do anything wrong, you were just going based upon the times, the, the, the figures. That's how you measure horses. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have a $10 million horse come from dead last and they run a 51 buyer. Guess what? They're slow. I don't care what they were cost. I don't <laughs> care who they're by. I don't care what, what anything else says. If they run slow, if they run fast, they're fast. And that's the thing. That's why it matters. And if they can make mistakes in multiple Breeders' Cup races with the entire industry watching, with the international audience, with every, you know, supposedly important person in the game outside of Swift Hitter there. <laughs> happen on a Thursday at wherever you're at. Mistakes. And it might cost you. It might cost you. You can't. You, you don't know. I'm telling me about a, a guys buy horses on sheets. A lot of guys, thoroughbred or or, or ragazins. And a horse bought a track, uh, I think, in Louisiana. And the horse, I think, the horse won by four or five lengths. Got a really high sheet number. Really high. I think it was a, using ragazins like a like an old ten or a twelve, which for that class was super called up and held an offer to the people. Took it. I think I, I want to say a hundred and a quarter, somewhere in that range. And they knew that horse was you know, red <laughs> horse by a thousand dollar horse out of a thousand dollar young. But the horse you know, ran well and has this huge sheet number. Well, <laughs> farce. <laughs> Trainer puts it in a stake, right? It's two-year-old breaks me, puts it in a stake. I don't know, six weeks later, the sheets come out, and the horse got a 19. <laughs> so he calls up, he goes, what are you doing? Like, what happened? Like, so I like a 12 or an 11. Oh, yeah, they, uh, somebody made a mistake somewhere along the way. Well, I paid all this money for this horse, you know, blah. As it turns out, the horse really wasn't good. <laughs> but, you know, you're, when you buy them off numbers, sometimes you got to hope that the number's not right. If they're right, if the number's right or not right, this is the thing that can happen. Like, <sighs> man, that's got to be a huge gut punch. I mean, buyers change a lot. I mean, more than you think. Um, and, I, and listen, speed figures are speed figures, okay? They're, they're opinions. It's someone's opinion based upon facts, and they create an opinion. A speed figure is not a fact. It is interpretation of the data. That's that's the mistake. If a horse runs... Well, I used to be able to say, if a horse runs six furlongs and 110 flat, then he, that's the fact. He ran 110 flat. Of course, now we know that it might not be. Three might run a one ten and two. We don't know, which is just like unfathomably bad. Like you just shake your head. How can we not be able to do this? Right. We should be precise with information. And they tried to use more technology to to use 
GPS systems and the chiclet and stuff, but it still has to be accurate. I could do without and the chiclet. If you give us false times, yes. Yes. Um, once again, quoting him uh, on Twitter, uh, said that Santa Anita had gone back to the old system that they used. And since they have uh, the old the beams, not Jimmy Beam, but uh, <laughs> the actual beams of where they set them by the the poles, and then when the horse first horse goes by, it triggers it. They said since they've been using them, they've the timing problems have almost all gone away, and that's. It's a positive, I guess, right? But then, like, we have races now at Tollstream on a Tapita course, and apparently the course hasn't been measured properly because they're running them at about distances. About distances, yeah. They were complaining about that the other day, which I was like, wow, how could they get... (laughs) I mean, I I just don't understand. I I never understood the about distance anyway. Um, I remember uh, they used to have... I think Rockingham was the first place I saw about distances. Oh, yeah. And right. they, they had him on the turf. On the turf, yeah. And the, I remember the explanation. This is going back way back. But the explanation was that they couldn't move the beam, the timing beams. So when they moved the rails out, they knew that the, the fractions weren't going to be accurate. So they would rather just give a one final time than inaccurate fractions, which I guess is is. Uh, I mean that that was a different time, right? A different era, right? Yeah. Uh, out times these days, I almost feel like, like, like. I mean, I, I just don't know. It, to me, it's it's like we shouldn't be running on this track if we don't have proper timing. If we have to have about, about distances, we shouldn't be running on it. And I know it's tough to do things like put install a racetrack while you're running. That's not an easy task. And kudos to everyone for getting that done. But part of the the, the basics of, of having a racetrack is having proper poles which you can time the races hmm. not having a traffic cone which we're going to name later be your finish line and I think part of that is just a disconnect between racing executives and their customers and I think a lot of times a poll of their customers is asking five guys who they know are going to give them the answer they want to hear. I know that's how they, uh, that's how horsemen get polled a lot. That's how they get polled a lot all over the place. They'll find the guys who they know they want. That's, you know, that, that, that they use when they, they say, Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, horsemen agree. Yeah. Which ones? Yeah. Um, We're only look for Gulfstream yesterday for the uh, 
there are listed and the with dirt and with turf. So all three are um, even opening weekend. I believe so. That's amazing because it's like, well, they're giving the, the turf course a rest, which totally makes sense. But I yeah, I think I said this before. It's like I don't understand why they just don't run on Tapita since they don't train on it. Just run on it when it rains off the turf. That's it. That's the only time they should use it. But I don't think you can spend the the amount of money they spent on it and, and not use it, yeah. And not use it. And and you know what you've done too is you've created Tapita horses. Horses that went on it want to run back on it. Though it's hard to really say if you're a Tapita horse here or not because early in the meet, speed was killer was good, and now now it's completely dead. It's it's kind of reverted, which might have to do with um, ha- having. I mean, it's the rare track that was 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 created essentially from scratch that has had virtually no training over it. It doesn't get used for training. So that may play a that that's just the that's just a guess on my part, but um, I think perhaps yeah, but with you, you'll more see the swings, over, you know, you'll see the swings like we've seen. Yeah, I mean, now you've gone from from you know one extreme to the other. So I don't know what to think. I know this betting those races currently is very treacherous, and if you're in a you know if you're a horseman in those races. It's hard to really know what you should be doing because the track is is now like swung so far from one extreme to the other that uh, I don't know. It's 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 there are some parts of the handicapping puzzle and the puzzle of of, of thoroughbred racing that make you uh, you're, you're attracted to it, right? I mean, you're trying to figure out what's going to happen, but. Sometimes racing creates these puzzles that have like nine pieces missing. So you kind of know it going in and you're almost like, well, why am I going to try to to figure this puzzle out? If I know that there's pieces missing, I'm just going to wind up getting frustrated in the end. And that's basically the the, the story to Peter. So <laughs> I just don't I don't mess with it anymore. I mean, that doesn't say, I mean, I won't like take a flyer a little bit, or if I like a horse in a corresponding race, I may just, you know, spread to try to, you know, if I like a long shot, I, I might just spread to try to get live into a, um, a certain, you know, a vertical. Right. The bridge, the gap there. <laughs> but right. But um, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and it's, it's a new surface, which makes it even harder and, I just don't like the fact that you're going to run fewer turf races because that that's, was really the that's my of problem. Goldstream Park racing program was was grass racing, and I don't see. I just don't see how you can run seven races, six races uh, this winter, all winter on one course because it's you know they essentially had two courses here. Um, but the second course is now Tapita. So they really only have one course. And, and I just don't see how you're going to be able to get away with running as much on it. You're just not. And it'll be interesting to see how that affects the numbers. And I know handle numbers these days are uh, 
are kind of nebulous in some ways. I mean, they're not exactly what they 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 all they show, which is weird. But uh, I, I actually talked to Crunk a little bit today about having him on again, and, and to be honest, he he did didn't seem like all that interested in being on. And uh, I think he, you know, like I, I get it. I mean, I, I do get it. It's, it's it's a very frustrating game for people that have been involved for for a while. When you see things happening and there's nothing you can do about it because no one listens, no matter what, they don't listen. And, and that, that's horse racing in general these days. And we get shouted down a lot. We get told, oh, handles up. Hmm. Well, yeah, handles up, but it, it, it should be up 100%. It's up 9%. Well... You know the, the the horse population's down. Well, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what have we done about that? What 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 plan is horse racing, uh, or, or any of the alphabet soup groups, or any of the racetracks, or any of the big companies, or any of the, the important people? Uh, does anybody has anyone heard a plan about trying to get more people involved in horse ownership? Because I haven't. Other than you know my racehorse, which gets a million people more interested to buy the same 27 horses i mean that that's the problem the problem isn't horses just said you know what i, I just don't you know maris are like that's it I'm, I'm tying my tubes i ain't having no more kids right <laughs> it's it's a it's supply and demand there's not enough there's not enough people and and yet the sales at the top of the game still rage on the sales are strong i mean there's something wrong with this picture when when the sales are strong, and and handle at the A tracks is strong. Yet there's fewer and fewer horses born every year. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. How how does that make sense? I mean, it'd be analogy of of um, a sport, say um, uh, the NHL. The, the NHL playoffs ratings go up twenty percent. And attendance is, is sky high. TV ratings are high. And merchandise is down 20%. <laughs> like, it wouldn't make sense, right? That's horse racing. Like, all the indicators we're told are, are, are pointing in, in the, the upward direction. But there's fewer and fewer horses being born, which means there's fewer and fewer people out there. Because it's a supply and demand thing. I mean... You got to remember, we we were in the early '80s at a point where there was like, fall crop was like seventy thousand. Mm, that's a lot. Sixty thousand. It was high. Maybe, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but it was way up there. When I started training, it was still thirty six thousand. It's cut, it's got cut in half. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the blame. It's your fault. But but that that is that is something that just like seems like the easiest thing in the world for people to come together and agree on right i mean it helps the horsemen it helps the 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 players it it helps the tracks it helps the breed organizations i mean it helps literally everyone if there's more people involved in owning horses but i don't know anything that's been done i mean i don't know anything that's been done to to really any programs or any um widespread plans 
of attack to get more people involved in that. And, you know, the, the, the tax benefits are still pretty good. They're still pretty good. The depreciation schedules, the accelerated depreciation schedules are still pretty good. So, I mean, it's something we've touched on before. I mean, remember this summer we were talking every week we would read off the purchase price of, of the stakes, the greatest stakes. Oh, yeah. And for the most part, it wasn't always half million dollar horses. It was a lot of reasonably priced horses. And, and that alone, just publicizing that would be beneficial and would, would create interest and, and um, would, would provide incentive yet. Yet even that is, it's literally was only just us doing that. So, you know, it's, yeah. and it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, you know, we should know better. The industry should know better and should have a plan for these sort of things. But there was never any kind of contingency plan. Like, all right, well, if this happens, maybe we should, you know, crank up this side or, you know, do this in order to kind of boost this part of the business. You know, and and it's it's just sad because you would think people making the kind of money that they make at the top of this food chain here would have a better idea. No one thinks that's their job. That is a horse racing. Um, that is the one most consistent in, in horse racing. All through everywhere I've been, uh, the front side, on the back side, I, everywhere, it's their job. The case in a lot of things that we have timing issues. That's the case uh, why we have late late changes. That's the case why we have uh, backsides that on the it It's hard to it's hard to create decent races it's the, um, for years nobody's voice was listened to and it's it's why we have jackpot wages it's why so many of the issues persist because nobody hey let's fix this problem who do i have to go to to get the problem fixed and it's why racing is eventually going to everybody is going to in reason they, it's not their or why they do it or why it's not on their agenda or why you know well we're doing this and and, and that is eventually why we're going to to at some point you know like ITP was talking today on 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 Beanie's podcast about exchange how exchange wagering not uh, exchange wagering um fixed odds how fixed odds is really really bad. And, and he, he brought a point up that I hadn't really considered, and that that um, the handle is going to be the sucker money, right? Yep. The the regular, the non-sharp play. They're not going to let the big players play anyone on those bets. It's just like shut up because they don't want to take the risk. Yeah. Among that's probably the biggest one. They just don't want to. They don't want to lose. So that's from people they perceive as not having any advantage at all that they know will lose. 
like when you know you you booking the so less money come back to the industry right through you're the have, right you're going to have to pay the um the company that's actually going to do the, the work for you because no racetracks uh, would be able to we, can't, we have a hard time getting more right so <laughs> think that someone out there could be competent posting lines and 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 managing the risk um that's what it is it becomes risk for them too much money is bet on have exposure uh there's too much money bet on one horse if the horse wins they could really lose money because they don't want to lose money i mean in the parimutuel system the track never loses money except for minus pools which almost don't ever happen anymore right um because most places with prohibitive favorites don't even allow show wagering which is fine i mean uh, you know like nobody's gonna miss it right whatever but um In the end, you're going to see a migration of money away from the business, away from racing. Isn't that what's going on in the UK? Aren't they having problems with that? Where well, yeah, the... I mean they have they've had such a different system, and the bookmakers just didn't want to, you know, they, the bookmakers actually paid more in England. Um, and I'm saying this over like as a, a generality, but you know they they always had bookmakers, so. For us, we had, we never had bookmakers involved. It was always paramutual. The only place that ever booked bets was Vegas, and they had they had pretty strict limits. Um, the house queue, and uh, I think they were twenty, ten, five, ten, something like that to one that they they maxed bets out. At. Yep. But um, you know, we, we're we're bringing these guys, in. and fixed betting sounds great, but. It's just uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna it's not I don't think it's gonna be what everyone thinks it is, and you know to this point brings up other issues like um, something that, you know the, the, to the effect about politicians saying hey you know. Um, you just got to listen to him. <laughs> I can't properly explain how he said it. It's just too long of a of a process. But basically saying, you know, at some point, the politicians are going to say, hey, why are, why are we giving you guys all of this slot money if you're just going to let the bookmakers book the bets? And, you know, we could just eliminate you as the middleman. Yeah, it's just going to create more issues <laughs> that are already, you know, compounded in other areas. Yep, that is true. Um, There was an article. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I don't know if you saw it or not. It was in TDN. And it was kind of a opinion piece, but it was kind of an opinion piece. <laughs> And it was about the situation that's going to dominate racing in 2022. And that is is Bob Baffert in the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And 
Dan Liebman writes, who used to be the editor of Blood Horse, writes um, an article basically saying that um, giving an out, uh, like comparing the situation to spend a buck. The situation with uh, Corniche or whoever, whichever Baffert horse turns out to be the best one. Uh, Messier looked good yesterday running a race where, of course, they had the fraction drum. Um, <laughs> and he goes on to kind of, you know, I mean, it's not it's not an easy comparison for sure. But, you know, for people that don't remember this way back in 1985, Spendabuck took a kind of an unusual road to the Kentucky Derby through New Jersey when Garden State Park was open. Well, that was after the Derby, right? He didn't go to the pre. Well, no, he was in New Jersey before. Yeah. He 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 took the uh, the Cherry Hill Mile. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, and uh, the, the the Garden State track used at that time was super fast, and there was a bonus schedule. It was attached to the Jersey races. If you won all the Jersey races and the Kentucky Derby, you got like, I think a million dollar, $2 million bonus. So he won the first two legs of the Jersey bonus at Garden State. And then he, um, he won the Kentucky Derby and in a pretty convincing fashion. There was another speed horse in the race, a eternal Prince, the, the MIG rode him. Mig, yeah, yeah, yeah. Butch Lanzini, show up, John Lanzini, did... for Steinbrenner. That was his horse. Yep, and he drew an inside post and he broke fourth, and he got covered up, and that was it. I mean, Spendabuck just bolted to the lead under Angel Cordero, set fast fractions, and was never really, never in doubt. Uh, no, he he won by four. And at the time, the Kentucky Derby purse was like a quarter million. Uh, the purses for the other races weren't that big uh, in comparison to the, how they are now. There was no bonus attached. There was nothing. There was nothing that, that held the Triple Crown together other than it just being the Triple Crown. And Spendabuck was owned by a guy named uh, Diaz. And Cam Gabalotti um, trained. And he was just starting out as well. And those guys were like, you know what? We don't know that this horse in the Belmont anyways, so screw it. We're going to skip the Preakness and we're going to run in the Jersey Derby and try to win the bonus. And <laughs> as it turns out, he did. He won the Jersey Derby. Uh, interestingly enough, Angel Cordero, who had ridden him in all the starts up to that point, uh, couldn't be there for the Jersey Derby because of a commitment he had made in New York or his agent had made, so they brought Lafitte Pinkayan from California to ride him, and they needed him because <laughs> he was all, all out to be creme fresh, who actually wound up going on to win the Belmont that year. Um, and then there was a big controversy because uh, over who would get the bonus, you know, portion of the jocks portion of the bonus, would Cordero get uh, three quarters of it or half of it? And apparently he wound up with none of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it all went to Pinkai, but uh, but 
coming back to the modern day, the, the article is kind of saying, well, you know, like there's other races other than the Derby and this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, no, this is not like that. Not <laughs> this even isn't like well, that at all. You're talking about a horse with connections that aren't currently allowed to run in the Kentucky Derby and most likely won't be allowed to run in the Belmont Stakes either as that hearing that um, scheduled for I don't know February uh, is most likely going to lead to you know you know a, a period of time where Mr. Baffert's not allowed to race in New York until the thing in Kentucky gets settled and at, at this time like the Kentucky Racing Horse Racing Authority or whatever they're called they like don't even say anything about this we haven't heard anything in months about yeah from them over six months right i mean we've we've, and like they haven't given an update they haven't it's just like someone was saying that something today i said you know they they should give an update to to, the show that they're still actually you know in business working on it (laughs) going on you know like people show up there every day right i mean they're, they're still doing stuff right i mean but um no that that you can't like and, and it just it just to me sometimes it blows me away to think that people can kind of say like oh well you know it's not a big deal you can miss the derby and you know blah blah it is a big deal it's the biggest deal in horse racing it's it's the biggest deal in horse racing by a lot by a <laughs> by a thousand lengths the downplay there derby that's what's bigger than everything else and that's all there's to it you can use this quote, Churchill Downs. You can use it, but <laughs> it, it's the truth. It's the damn truth. The Triple Crown is bigger than everything else we have. Bigger. Look, look at the media we had for the Breeders' Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 a couple stories here and there. Do you know what kind of media we're going to have for the, 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 the Bob Baffert's band from the Kentucky Derby Derby? Are you kidding? <laughs> We're going to have live remotes. And news or whoever. I mean, this is not going to be a small deal. It's going to be a huge deal. And every. And he's in it. They're going to. It's going to come up. Even the races he's not. It's going to come. How can it not? But the writer's story saying, hey, you know. He's not. What? Yeah, that's not the same thing. It's been supposed to go for the money. And for all these owners that are saying, oh, well, you know, the Derby, look at all the Derby horses. Yeah, everybody says all this. Oh, well, I only want to run the Derby, um, you know, when uh, I have the right horse. And the only person I know in horse racing in the last 50 years that actually meant it was Charlie Whittingham. Because he didn't go to the Derby for what, like nineteen forty nine to nineteen eighty six, with Ferdinand. When he showed up, he, he had a shot. And you you look at Rock Your World was retired, <clears throat> you know today. Um, Soup and Sandwich ran like he was retired a couple weeks ago at Keeneland. The other horse who, who ran in there off the six, you know, one race in the nine month layoff. Helium. Helium. He, he hasn't taken a forward step since. Derby fever. And they all want to run. People desperately want to win that race, especially if you haven't won it. Nick Zito told me, he goes, listen, after I won it one time, I wanted to win it more the next time. 
Then that's all it became my entire focus. That's all I thought about was winning that race. That was everything. It was such a big deal. So everyone who says it's not a big deal, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And I, I've said this. I think that there's going to be some sort of lawsuit that's going to come up and some sort of injunction, and they're going to try to force their way in. I would be shocked if they didn't. Yeah, I was going to say that that's definitely got to be on the on the docket <laughs> that they're going to try to, like you said, bogart their way in and get an injunction so they can race. And that's really all they need is, is a way in. And I don't think it's going to be that difficult for them to do that. I don't know. I really don't know. And it's 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 just going to be more of racing playing out in the courts, which is, of course, the worst part of racing. Um and it's uh, I just don't know. Like, what what are they? What is he thinking? Writing the article? Like, it's it's almost normalizing that the situation. This is not normal. This is a bad situation. And I, I said it. Listen, I think I said it last week. I think the whole thing with Baffert in the Breeders' Cup was was way overblown. The guy's allowed to run in California. He hasn't broken any rules there. He he hasn't got a positive. For the Kentucky Derby as of yet. Nothing has happened. So to me, and I understand the people that didn't want him racing in there. I get it. I I, I feel you, you know, like I, I understand where you're coming from. I don't happen to agree with that in this case because he's allowed at Delmar. He's been racing at Delmar. And I don't think it would have been fair to the owners of those horses at the last minute to say, hey, we're, 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 we're not letting your trainer run, uh, you know, sorry especially the people that had that race circled for you know, months and months and months or the whole year. If you want to do that in July and give people a chance to make changes, fine. The Derby making the announcement before they started giving out points for that was the proper way of doing it. Whether you agree with it or not, it's still the timing was, was done. It wasn't like, Oh, geez. Oh, we didn't know. <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I think that we've talked about, the way the breeders got handled it was you know not very I, I wouldn't give them high marks for the for PR and that 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 wasn't the way they should have handled it. They should have internally they should have come out and said, hey, you know what? We're gonna put him under scrutiny. He's agreed to uh, these extra security rules. These are unprecedented. You know, that the, it, you actually get pats on the back for doing that. Not from everybody, but when you say, hey, we're thinking about banning him, and then you don't ban him, well, I mean, <laughs> don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. You know, don't tell your kids you might go to Disney, then not go to Disney. Oh, yeah, you get, you get shot. Yeah. How's that going to work? You tell your kids, guess what? At, at, when I come home from work today, we're going to McDonald's. And you come home from work today, and you don't go to McDonald's. Oh, um, man. Well, the kids here are, 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 are a lot bigger. <laughs> Yeah, got a lot more pull. I just don't get that. Like, I read that, and, and I read it twice, and I was thinking to myself, "What is he thinking of? Like, why would he write that? Why? Why would it go through his head? Ah, Jesus, really not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. It's not that big. Of a deal. Like you said, it's the biggest deal there is <laughs> in in horse racing world. I asked Mister Ramsey one time, and Mister Ramsey's goal was to win the Derby. His goal was not to have the leading turf sire. It was not to, to you know, do this or do that or any of the other things he accomplished in the business. His goal was to win the Kentucky Derby. And 
um, more or less our relationship broke up over the fact that I had a really good turf horse who he was insisting was going to, you know, run in the Kentucky Derby. And I said, your horse, we can run him wherever you want, but he can't run on the dirt. He's not a dirt horse. And he did not accept that. And he moved the horse to a couple other trainers. He wound up with Bobby Frankel, who won a grade one on the turf with the horse. Um, and that, I guess that was like a moral victory, right? <laughs> I, I was right. <laughs> the fact, yeah. yeah. But the Kentucky Derby, I asked him one time, and he told me, I said, if you won the Kentucky Derby and lost every other race in one year, and they got to remember, this is when he had probably 120 horses in training. So winning zero races in 12 months outside of the Kentucky Derby would be <laughs> would be a, a, a long 12 months, right? And he said, he goes, I'll be honest. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I, I'd take it. He goes, for one year, I could take not winning another race, just the Kentucky Derby, just to win that race. And I know a lot of other people feel that way. And it's, it's, and they should, it's a huge race. It, it's our biggest race. Uh, I mean, there's been Twitter wars about, is it the biggest race in the world? Uh, is it the most famous race in the world? I, I don't know. I mean, the biggest race in Australia is the Melbourne Cup. The biggest race in France is the Arc de Triomphe. The biggest race in England, I guess, is the Epsom Derby. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's in that company, right? So it's our biggest race. It's our big, it gets the most media attention. Um, I remember Lynn Whiting told me changed his life, you know, hmm. and people ask, what do you do for a living? You, know, you say you're a horse trainer and it's, Oh, you ever, you ever run a horse in the Kentucky Derby? It's not only have I run it, I've won it. And it's, it's, you know, it's like you're a baseball player and people ask if you ever won the world series or, or that kind of, you know, if you're a football player, Hey, did you, did you ever win the Super Bowl? It's that kind of, that kind of, uh, that kind of achievement and to just, you know, kind of say, Hey, there's not been much, you know, news on this thing. So it's just not a big deal. anyway. it's a big deal. It's still a big deal. So, I mean, listen, it ain't the end of the world. I mean, it's one guy's opinion and I just think it was kind of tone deaf and, you know, I just thought it was, it seems a little, non-reality based <laughs> you know it's like all right well you know just like some kid kind of daydreaming like hey well you know these guys did it but it's not the same situation the context is totally different barry if you were the you were the trainer and you had the horses right and you were looking at being banned from the kentucky derby and i'm your friend and i would say listen you're still my friend you're not not my friend because of this and look at the bright side, you know, the Preakness is, is, is nice. You get crab cakes, you know, they'll let you throw out a pitch for the Orioles. They might like, they might let you pitch for the Orioles based on you know, <laughs> how they played the last couple of years. That's what you would say to someone privately, right? I mean, that would be your private, like, hey, don't let it get you down, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to like write a, just seems like nothing. And Bill Finley, of course, writes an article, ah, we ran a horse, a uh, six free, uh, Breeders like they expected horses to like spontaneously combust at a leaf ball. <laughs> People think we're going to happen. It, it's not that, you know, and I know that there was some 
hyperbole out there and people, oh, horses are going to come back bleeding, which is entirely possible. All horses ran bad. A lot of horses ran bad. We don't know why. And this is just another one of those nobody asks these questions because we don't really have much of a independent media anymore. But why wouldn't anyone ask the Breeders' Cup, hey, this is your first Lasix-free uh, event. A great idea to um, scope every horse after the race, since you know we have a million extra people here, and uh, like try to form a database so that we can uh, you know, ha- have information and, and, and know exactly what happened. Bro, this is a perfect time to do something like that. Right. It's perfect. But why do you think they didn't do it? Because they didn't want the negative results. Or, or saying that, you know, well, we had so many horses run and a third of them bled or something, you know, that they didn't want to hear. Exactly. Um, that's exactly the problem in horse racing. <clears throat> in that once an idea gets this steam behind it, then we don't actually want to know the truth we want to just keep the team going it's the same thing with this this hissa law or well i saw i saw a trainer Whatever. a trainer oh. from the uk give an interview and he it seemed like he went out of his way to mention that he wouldn't run unless it was lasix free and he's like oh always support drug-free races that's what yeah. we want. And I just felt that it was kind of bizarre because it didn't really fit. It didn't fit in the conversation. Yeah, well, if he's from Ireland, he should probably look in the mirror because they're having a nice little scandal right now over right. in Ireland about uh, illegal drugs being found at a training center with a lot of top trainers. Uh, Jim Bolger, who's you know been one of the top Irish trainers and, and owners and breeders for years, uh, ruffled a lot of feathers this past summer by basically saying that, uh, you know, guys are using drugs and nobody's doing anything about it. So it's just silly. The Breeders' Cup has always had a big European. um, uh, People have been coming over here from Europe to run in our races since the beginning. And uh, one of the reasons why they probably come over in record numbers is because they've been winning all our races all for the last few years. They're winning all of the big races now when they come over. When we win one, it's almost upset. And they're going to come over more. And they can say it's the Lasix, not the Lasix. But all the big trainers from John Gosden on down, Aiden O'Brien, have all come over. They've always come over. The Japanese were coming over here last year. They sent a bunch of horses over here. There was Lasix. It's such an overstated thing. The fact of the matter is I don't even care anymore. I don't even care. It's, it's, it's the law, it's the rule, whatever. We'll deal with it. But don't try to tell me how wonderful it is. It's not. It's not wonderful. If you have a horse that bleeds, it's not wonderful. But that's what, that's what they do. And that's the cheerleading we get for media. Instead of someone asking a question like, hey, why didn't you have all the horses scoped so we would have uh, you know, kind of an idea of what happened, we're going to get the proclamations from a guy that lied to everybody uh the california equine medical director who lied about uh, what happened in the gate so but we're going to believe him now over this because he we're going to believe the stuff that 
sounds good to us, but we're not going to believe, um, you know, the, the actual lies that we saw with our own two eyes, right? <laughs> but but that's that's how racing operates. That's how we operate. And this HISA law, the guy came out the other day, and oh, everybody's all up and, oh, that's great, 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 great. All, all he did was basically announce a hearing schedule. Like, there's no details. There's no details. And I don't care how wonderful everyone thinks it's going to be until you know what the cost is going to be. How much is it going to cost? The rest of it is just talk. It's just talk. The idea that like we now need to know where every horse is all the time. You know where 98% of trainers' horses are? <laughs> They're sitting in a stall at the track. Where else would they be? In the barn. <laughs> yeah, where, where do you think they go? They're, they're copying what they do for humans. Humans move around. Humans don't just stay in, in one place. Well, you know, me sometimes. But like, <laughs> they move around. They go to places. They go to dinner. They go to, to, to you know, find their drug dealer, whatever the hell the, the, uh, track and field athletes do. They don't just sit in a stall. 24 and a half or 23 and a half hours a day. That's what horses do. They just stay in a stall. And, and this idea that like everything is, is like top of the line. So a guy at Penn National, he's going to have to call or, 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 or tell you where his horse is going when he sends one out for, for you know, 30 days of R&R or something. Like and you might show up at 24 hours, seven days. That that all sounds good. But a lot of places you turn horses out, you you, you show up at, at in the middle of the night, and guess what? You're going to be lonely. You're going to be the only one there. <laughs> this isn't cool more. You know? We don't, we don't have 24 hour people like, you know, watching all over the place. At the racetrack, like, we don't even have night watchmen like the old days. In the old days, everybody had night watchmen. There'd be a guy up all night with your horses. It's just too expensive these days. So big, some of the big outfits still still have somebody, but it's just got it just got to be too expensive, and they, they just don't don't have it. And I mean, some of the stuff it sounds great in theory, but like, all right, you're not, uh, you're gonna, you're going to penalize the owner. Well, if I call you and you own the horse and you're in Daytona, I said Barry, I'm sending the horse over to. Uh, some farm over here in Wellington. All right, great. Cool. <laughs> so we send the horse over there and he's over there for 30 days. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe the transmission, may, maybe I lost uh, Wi-Fi, which seems to happen to me a lot. But, uh, and, and, and it didn't get through. And they decide, well, we're going to, we're going to find this horse and we want to do out of competition testing on him. And they call you up. Now you're responsible. You don't even know where the horse is. You know, like, what about horses? I was laughing about Messier yesterday winning the Bob Hope. He's got like nine owners. <laughs> Which one do you? Stables. So, so stables are are owned sometimes awful people. So, which one of the fifteen owners gets gets the the blame? gets the responsibility like these are the details like 
the the devil is in details and all these things sound great everybody gets aggravated when um a horse comes up positive and we find out six months later and then the penalties doled out six months after that yeah that's a pain in the ass that sucks that's a great that's not a great system that's a shitty system like so streamlining that okay awesome that's, that's nice but that's not all that important it's not that on the list of things uh, of importance that's like you know way 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 down the list it's below timing this this tracking the horses all over the place thing is and listen i know there's places where trainers have been accused of sending horses off the grounds having them you know saying that they're swimming or something having them shock waved and having them sent back this is not like dang this is nothing new i've even heard that right right so (laughs) of course we're against this and anyone doing that if they're caught should get um you know should get the book thrown at them but we're talking about like a minuscule number of people right a minuscule number of people and if you have investigative powers if you have people that can well and and you think that trainer b is doing this then why don't you just wait till trainer b sends one out and follow them? You know, and it catch seems, them doing. It seems pretty easy. I right. Mean. Exactly. <laughs> because if they're shockwaving them, well, unless you're there watching them do it, I don't know how you're going to catch them. I don't know. It just seemed like this was made out to be a big deal. And maybe for certain trainers, it, it could be. But again, you're talking about how are these rules going to affect everyone? when a minuscule amount of people would consider sending horses out of town somewhere to do something and then bringing them back. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe this happens more often than I think, but um, you know, thoroughbreds are mostly trained on the track here in this country. Most other countries None of them are trained on the track. Uh, for standard breads, virtually none of them are trained. Never. <laughs> they're, all, they're all off the track now. But the thoroughbreds were still mostly the horses. You, you don't need to know where they're... they're you, you don't need any great uh, uh, system to figure out where they are because they're right in the stall that they're, you know, they're probably going to be in for the next however many months. So... And, I, and I'm a believer in out of competition testing as long as the parameters are set up properly. You know, if you're out of competition testing for illegal drugs, sure. Absolutely. Um, but, like, there's out of, this, 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 there's this thought wave that, that therapeutic drugs, for the most part, um, are, are, are bad. And, and it's just not so. It just isn't so. And therapeutic drugs, everyone uses, oh, well, the anti-inflammatories. That's just one tiny section of 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 the possible um medications that that are out there there's there's lots of issues that horses have not not just met not just anti-inflammatories and don't get me wrong I, i'm fine with you want to make it a 48 hour withdrawal for everything okay no work you want you want to have lasix that's fine we'll we'll deal with it we'll handle it you know there's gonna be issues but we'll deal with it right but 
I can't ha I can't just say that um, lumping all therapeutic medications without degrees is the right thing. It's kind of like saying that all right from for traffic for violations driving your car we have DUI vehicular man you know uh, the homicide and then everything else <laughs> so those are the big ones and everything else we're going to lump into one category so uh you know broken taillight and driving 150 on the, the highway are now considered a strike either way which just doesn't seem um it just doesn't seem like it's 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 good regulation and it seems like uh we're, we're not really penalizing they're not going to penalize and, and of course they're going to say well you know there's varying degrees and you know there's always going to be discretion right and that's always going to be the excuse we're given discretion 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 and, and far be it from chuck simon to go to bat for the trainers like uh you know the super trainers that have hundreds of horses but you know, calling 50 the arbitrary line of, okay, if you have over 50 and you have five violations, if you have under 50, you have four violations, that doesn't exactly seem like it's, it's, that's it's, not fair. It's fair at all. I think that, 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 that should be done based upon starts. It should be done based upon how many starts you make. Guy with 300 horses. And I understand the concept of, hey, they're trying to discourage people from having 300 horses. But it's not going to happen. At least I could say I feel pretty comfortable that most of the trainers like that are not going to willingly turn back a lot of horses. But all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at uh, a, a two-year suspension. And I know what they're going to say again. Oh, well, it doesn't have to be a two-year suspension. So then it gets to be, okay, also oh, a, a, a bigger trainer. That can that can afford better counsel, he's more likely to get a, a smaller penalty. I, I don't know. It just seems like if you're gonna do this, then put absolutes in, but put them in so that they they fit. If you get four ultra medication positives, that sure shouldn't be the same penalty as the guy that gets four um, penalties for something that's like a class three drug now. That, that does have some form of, of, of performance-enhancing ability. It's just demonizing medication for no good reason. And it makes everything harder. Um, and maybe that's what they want. I, I don't know. But horses have issues. They have lots of issues, and they have lots of them. And it happens and it's just the way it is. And, you know, as long as, as you're not uh, abusing them or, or doing anything wrong or, or getting an unfair advantage i just don't see what the problem is and i know a lot of people probably don't have any idea what i'm talking about and i'm sorry <laughs> explain it better than that no um, i i, I kind of understand where you're going but you know what i my thought is is i don't think they ever accounted for the the growing pains that are going to go along with this hissa initiative I mean, you know, just like you said, you've already pointed out things already, and they haven't even started. I haven't even pointed out the biggest one yet. Right. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, those aren't even the 
the big ones. <laughs> Not big even one. close. You, know you want to know what the big one is? The labs suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... They make a lot of mistakes. They man. make a lot of mistakes. Way more than people know. Listen, I'm a nobody, right? I don't have any official position. I can't really do anything for anybody. And I, I get... I, I get quite a few horsemen that will, you know, bounce stuff off me or, you know, ask me if I can find out about something and ask if I heard about something. And I, I hear about issues. Um, and I, there was a state where there was a lot of positives called for a certain medication not that long ago. Uh, like a, a lot. And some pretty big name trainers. And a couple of them I, I spoke to all swore swore so that we did not violate the the you know the 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 suggested withdrawal time in one case it was a few days before this you know there's a problem with the test and it you know got batted around for a little while then all of a sudden it was like hey yeah well we're not going to pursue this and uh, you know <laughs> you dropped it like it was <laughs> see you later and that happens more and more and more and more. And that's the point that we've been messing with this, trying to get better rules. I remember I was in a meeting in 2000, I want to say 2002 in Kentucky. And it was about seven or eight horsemen. And uh, the new director of the Kentucky Racing Commission at that time. And the three or four of the older respected veterinarians. And it was just kind of like, hey, educate me on the process. Tell me, like, explain to me what's, you know, what, what I'm hearing, because I'm not 100%, you know, the lady was a lawyer, and she wanted to educate herself. And we had a really good discussion. And um, everyone was, was pretty blunt. It was an off-the-record discussion. <clears throat> and I just kind of, I, I always think back to that. It was like, if we had more of those we could have made so much more progress. And I understand that the, the horsemen have kind of been stubborn in some ways, but you got to look at it from our point of view is that very rarely do the people in charge come with us to us and, and, and discuss these things. It's always jammed down your throat and then you're called a bad guy. Um, I mean, really, look look at what anybody that has been um, against the the LASIX ban, it gets called for years. They get called bad guys. They get called, uh, like, you don't care about your horses. And this is from people that, that you know, that, that wouldn't know which end of a horse they eat out of. <laughs> and it's like, you know, when, when you discount everyone's experience and uh, from the veterinarian's point, their, their, their professional experience and you get accused of a lot of things because you're not in agreement with, you know, lockstep with, with their, their position. It's, it's why we get to where we're at and no one wants to take blame for that. Nobody, nobody wants to, to say, well, like, but the fact of the matter is this, is if we had gotten all the people that really 
make sense in a room from both sides. And there shouldn't even be sides. There should be one side to do the best thing for the horse and do the best thing for racing. And we got those people in a room and, and, and said, listen, we need to come up with the best possible rules. There's no perfect rule. All right. It's never going to make everybody happy. But if we had come out and said, listen, no more Lasix in graded stake races or all stake races, whatever. But the overnight races, we'll, we're going we're gonna to continue to allow it. It would have been a compromise. And the vast majority of horsemen would not be affected. The vast majority of horsemen do not have greatest stake horses. Or if they do, they have one. The most most trainers uh, get a California Angel situation <laughs> where they come up with one good horse over their lifetime or or maybe one good horse every few years. And everybody would have went home knowing that it wasn't a perfect deal, but it was something we could live with. But that was never how this was approached. This was never approached in that in that fashion. And can we, you know, will, will the game stop because of Lasix? No, it won't stop because of Lasix. But it makes it more expensive, and it makes it harder for for smaller outfits, much harder that don't have the wherewithal to to go to hyperbaric chambers to spend hundreds on. on and believe me, guys are doing stuff. Uh, they're trying to to mitigate. The horses from bleeding. Um, the problem that I explained about a few minutes ago with con- with uh, concern with um, you know the the false drug positives, that medication is something that you would give a horse that would would work uh, to try to you know cut back on bleeding and adjunct bleeder medication. So. It's it's out there. People are horses are bleeding. They're not not bleeding anymore. They are. Two year olds are bleeding. It, it's it's sake races earlier in the year. There was a bunch of them that ran terrible, terrible, and they were bleeding. And it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. But it's not a positive. And that's the thing is, the positive comes from, I don't know, maybe some people feeling better about themselves, but. Nobody I know says no Lasix. I'm betting. I'm. I'm <laughs> I was gonna bet. I was gonna bet two hundred in this pick six. I'm gonna bet two thousand now because there's no Lasix. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've yet to hear that. No, of course not, because it doesn't make any sense. Because where's the benefit to someone? That's, there is none. There is none, and and that's the thing is that we do things for the wrong reasons. And you can only do things for the wrong reasons so much. Like I said, that's how we came up with jackpot bets. That's how we came up with systems of timing that don't actually time properly. It's it's how we came up with a lot of stuff. And uh, I just wish more people inside the business were more forthcoming about being worried. Because I think anybody that's not and you're in the business and you're not worried, I wonder, like, are you telling me the truth? <laughs> I would be worried. I don't care what the, the, the numbers say. I don't care what they say. 
I know what I feel. I know what I feel from people involved. I, I know what I can see. And I mean, ITP made a great point. He made a great point today. Talking about the mid-2000s handle numbers. And he said, you know, you got to remember back then, there was like no CR, you know, there was no, there was no, there was no computer money. That was all real handle. And we're not even back to that level. And a significant portion is, and even if, if some of the people who are um, being really overly sunny about the handle gains, even if they're they're partially right, you're still we're, we're still so far behind. We're so far behind where we should be, adjusted for inflation. And now, hell, we got a lot of inflation in this country. Uh, a lot more recently. <laughs> That's what I mean. So it's like, I mean, they were giving away. The government gave away a bunch of money, and and, and some of that did trickle down to racing. Clearly, it did. Yeah, because it did for a while. Clearly, it, it for did. for what like four months. But my, my question is this, is even if you're the biggest rah-rah guy in the world and we cultivated a new player during the, the COVID lockdowns, how long is he going to play when, when he, he sees the nonsense that goes on in this business? When he sees the, the, you know, the Baffert situation lingering and lingering and lingering, when he sees races that are timed improperly, when he sees the gate fiascos and, and then he sees the you know regulators just flat out lying. And then these are the people who are going to investigate it. That's the best thing. The the guys that screwed up are going to basically investigate themselves. <laughs> it's it's really absurd when you when you talk yeah. about it. that. It's got a little bit of OJ still looking for real killers feel to it, right? Yes. And the Breeders' Cup, like you guys need to to, to demand better from these people. It's your event. It's a huge event. It's, it's a wild success. It's a big part of our, our, our game. Like, seriously, I, w- I would be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have it in California for a little bit until they make these changes. <laughs> I Listen, I, I heard they had some contentious meetings. If I was running the Breeders' Cup, I, I might have got arrested. I might have beat up all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. You kidding me? <laughs> Real. I mean that that's what it that's the level. You scratched the favorite in a race that flew right. From that's the, the level that was for on. this race and, and you scratched him and, and, and there was nothing wrong with him. Like hold on, like what are you doing? Like what are you doing? And then you're gonna tell us uh, you know four different stories, and then you t- always told us oh the horses can't be put back in, in, in the pools, and then the horse was put back in the pools for six minutes. So like how many lies can you tell? It's like that song, Shaggy, It Wasn't Me. You know? You got, <laughs> they just kept saying, it wasn't us. It's not us. It's not us. Yeah, I was I was dumbfounded when I looked at my phone and I saw the horse taken out of the pool, put back in, taken out, put back in. And I was like, holy, I, I, I thought that couldn't happen. Exactly. We're, we've been told it can't happen. And it did. And this is the thing. If this this can happen on this stage, then what the hell can happen on a on a Thursday at Golden Gate? <laughs> and think about all the other things that that these people are in control of. 
And you, you say to himself, you say to yourself, at least I do, if they're this bad at regulating in front of the entire business, then how bad are they when no one's watching? And believe me, there's other California is just they're, they're, they've always seemed to be at the forefront of having you know, bizarre regulation, but um, there's, there's other places too. Kentucky Horse Racing Commission has, has botched this Baffert thing. Uh, you know, and people forget, Bob is the one who announced all this stuff. That's right. right. Bob had that hastily um, assembled press conference at his barn that Sunday morning after the derby, you know, the week after the derby. Had he not said that, like, I don't know how this whole thing would have played out if, if, if that, if that never happens. And then the, you know, kind of the bizarre media uh, binge he went on. Um, like if that doesn't happen, I, I don't know. I don't know what the the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission would have said. I, I still don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, is it possible that, that, I guess it's hard to believe that that uh, it would have stayed quiet. Are but there's supposed to be a, a positive from England in a horse that competes cup. Um, that uh, hasn't been announced. Nothing's been done at all. So, like, I know Right. I was gonna say there's probably a lot more that we don't know. Or at least is kept on the hush or mitigated another way. I wrote a piece about the clenbuterol testing that Goldstream did about, I don't know, about two months ago now. And I put the record of some of these guys out there. It's publicly, it's, it's publicly, um, it's public information. It, it's, it's found on the web. Google. Go to the Florida website. It's it's there. You put the person's name in, and, and you can you can look them up. You have a professional license. You can look them up. And I was told by one racing official about one guy's record. He was like, "Wow, I, I had no idea this guy." How do you not have any idea? And that was my question to him. I was like, "How do you not know?" <laughs> That's your job to know. And then he's like, "You know, like when when a lot of times when the state gives." people suspensions like we get notice of suspension but like that's all we get like they don't say how many violations or what so it's it's like and and listen we don't even have a racing commission in florida we have sort of kind of sort of yeah and we're supposed to i mean that legislation that passed that the compact between the the seminoles and the state of florida one of the um one of the other things that was signed into law was that a racing commission would or gaming commission which regular racing would be regulated under would be created and uh i'll be honest i have no idea if that's happened or not um i actually i'll try to find out that this week but you know they're taking bets so obviously someone has to be well they're overseeing they're trying that to take bets <laughs> i can i can attest they're yeah. trying they're not really because apparently you can't you can't deposit on weekends. It's too, it's too crowded on the app and the site. <laughs> Got to deposit during the week for weekend play. Yeah, yeah, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, I would think that they would know at least when they're when they're giving out these kind of things that the people involved would know. You know, and be like, oh man, this guy's been, you know, violating everything. And, and that's the part of, of HISA that I really kind of look forward to. And well, maybe they don't get me wrong. I, I want the thing to work. I do. I really do. I, I really want it to work. Uh, I really have great misgivings about some of the people that are advising them. And I think that uh, that's part of the problem. And I think that this could be done better. And, and to me, that's always the thing that horse racing in the modern day has, has just, just punted on. And that's just doing things better, just being better. Like, why can't we just do it better? Why are we always satisfied? And that's what it seems like. But, um, you know, like the, the guys that have a million violations that just treat it like the cost of doing business. That, that's always, that, that always bothered me. I didn't have a million violations. I started, I don't know, 2,800 horses, something like that. I like four, three, all minor, minor, minor. One, I still dispute. And some of these guys get four a year. <laughs> and that shouldn't be. And people who have, have more horses that wind up uh, dead than normal, that should, that's a problem too. I have a problem with all of that. I want the, I want those people to be uh, culled yes. from the game. We know who they are. <laughs> I think pretty much everybody does. I do know who you know. I know a lot of the guys. There's some guys everyone thinks are good guys that aren't. But for the most part, the guys who everyone thinks are bad guys are pretty much not great guys. They all have rights. They all deserve, obviously, due process, the whole thing. No doubt. But but I, I just worry that um, there's not enough practical advice being given if you wear a suit to work you have limited ability to understand what goes on on a day-to-day basis you just do and that's part of the process and i understand this has been you know they have a tight time frame i understand they don't you know want to they don't want to veer too far off course because of that tight time frame but there's got to be a way to make sure that anything that really isn't ideal gets changed. And uh, I've never heard anything to that extent. The thing that I just worry about um, I just worry about the cost of this thing. Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a massive work in progress when it starts. There's no way it's going to be anywhere near what it should be until like five years down the road. Anyone that's been married, right? You've been married. So whenever you ask your wife or your husband (laughs) about an an expense and they don't tell you what the expense is, but they try to, to, to (laughs) convince you that whatever it is, it was worth it. 
it's almost always not worth it, and it's almost always way more than it should be. <laughs> and it's every single time anyone's tried to pin down a number, and it doesn't even have to be like an exact number. I'm not saying, oh, it's going to cost this much or that much or this much. But how can you set up a nationwide system of regulation and not have any idea how much it costs? How can anyone set up anything without knowing how much it costs? I was going to say, that should have been like their first venture is to figure out how much it was well, going to I mean, I think that they do know. They're just not willing to tell anybody until they've gotten down to the point where everybody's signed off on it. And then it's like, oh, here's the price. And now it's too late, right? Yeah. When you're going to buy your daughter's <laughs> pony and your daughter falls in love with the pony and then you find out the pony isn't actually, you know, like like seventy five hundred, like you said, it's fifty thousand. Well, now what what you're gonna do? You you're gonna break your daughter's heart, or or you're gonna, you know, suck it up and, and spend the extra money? Well, you know what happens? That pony's going home with you. <laughs> and that that seems like this is what's happening here. And and racing is not in a whatever handle gains there were we've had, whatever slot fuel purses that you see. They're all going to the same guys. Racing is in, is in shitty shape on the backside, man. It's not in good shape on the backside. It's not. It's not. Martin Panza came out about two years ago. And he admitted, he said, listen, I, I know we, we have the, you know, the 80-20 rule. 20% of our, our people are, you know, 20% of the backsides getting about 80% of the purses. And he goes, fact is, it's probably 90-10. And think about that. Think about that. At a track like Naira, where the purses are good across the board. Expenses are real high, but purses are good. And 90% of the guys are, are fighting over 10% of the purse. Yeah, it's got to be like the Hunger Games back there. That's... You know, other than the people at the top of the food chain, it's like, you know, it's cutthroat. It's got to be. And uh, this is the, I, I've said this before, Barry, that there is no revolution coming. People walk away. So many guys have walked away that the revolution is not going to be. They're not good. People aren't going to rise up. They beat down enough. They walk away. They just they just do. They just do. And that's, you know, we're going to face a day of reckoning in, 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 in this sport at some point. And we've had a couple. Shit. We've had a couple. And, you know, I, I, you know, there's rumors flying all over the place that a certain little half dwarf trainer from California is in trouble again. But, you know, if only the owners keep filling that barn. And that's and therein lies the issue. Finances, everything is financial. They'll all try to tell you that it's not, but in the end, it is. In the end, that that's what it is. And you just can't stay in business because you just don't have the. You don't have the income. And. It all goes to the same guys, and bad behavior gets rewarded. Navarro and Jason Service, it's how many months now? 
<laughs> Where's the big on the back? The big change. Where's the owners that that gone to? Uh, the owners are are hasn't happened. Some of the, the guys that that out of the deal. The trainers that, that they have now <laughs> make your own, you know, draw your own conclusions, make your own decisions about that. But we're gonna get sued, aren't we? Not this week, maybe next week after Thanksgiving, right. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I'm here for it. The Detroit Lions are going to win a game before December. I don't think so. Detroit Lions. Not with, not with their quarterback situation, the way it is. The guy's horrible. It's going to happen. <laughs> That's a bold prediction, by the way. They're going to beat the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving Day. All hell will break loose if that happens. Don Chalos is going to weep. <laughs> and Joey Christofek. But there's. Well, Joey Christofek is so like overly enthused about the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I was going to say the Bulls' love is, is yeah. overwhelming the city anyway. Yeah, because you know, because the expectations for the, the the Bears wasn't all that high to start with. So, <laughs> right? so you know, hey, I got a quarterback. He doesn't look terrible. Like we're we're pretty good, but uh, yeah, the Bulls. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold with the Bulls too. But but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. we'll see after the All Star break what they do. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 still it's still early. It's still really early. Anyways, well, we've done enough bitching for today. <laughs> Is that what you that's, call? That's what happens when you give us a light stake schedule, right? You know what I mean. Just get just get us over this these next two weeks over to the clamming ground. We got the Clark. We got the Cigar Mile. Someone said today, said you know. They should make the Pegasus a match race between Life is Good and Nick's Go. I'm down I, with that. And I was thinking to myself, listen, if both those horses make it, it, it ain't going to be much bigger than a match race. There ain't going to be a whole lot of guys that are going to be really I was, yeah against those two. Although I'd, I'd take a shot if I was, you know, if, if they were going to both run, yeah, I'd take a shot with somebody they could sit off the pace. Why not? Tacticus is taken out of retirement and brought back for the oh boy, <laughs> fourth in that race again. <laughs> There's only three in it. career fourth place finisher. <laughs> That'll be a stallion. Um, he finished fourth a hundred times in every big stage. <laughs> he was only three places away from winning. Every time. 
Yeah, rock your world going to studs. Gotta love that. Seven races. About it. Seven races. When you <laughs> lightly race towards the Kentucky Derby, this is what's going to happen more times than not. You can give me what you want. There other. For real. Horses that are pushed too quick, a mile and a quarter, it's if you don't have the proper foundation. You cannot sneak your way into this race. Um, get a, You're not going to get a soft trip. It's not going to happen. It's the Kentucky Derby. There's going to be 17, 18, 19, 20 horses. There's going to be a legitimate pace and doesn't have the proper foundation. They're Time and time again, and I can yeah, just guarantee look the charts. Just look at the Derby charts and see the horses. Get, like, man, <laughs> you and I are arguing with somebody like that guy from Toronto. I cried <laughs> because I said this chance, which was true. Toronto Blue Jays guy. <laughs> I guarantee you, in April, that there's going to be two or three horses, and I'm going to say the same thing. These guys have new character. Why is that horse? I don't care. They they got two or three starts there. Not 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 only are they not winning, they're probably not going to make it through the rest of the year in, in great shape. The, the survive that race. The strong survive the hot rod Charlies, the essential qualities, Medina Spirits. Uh, they 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 danced a lot of dances and and for a modern day horse and still wind up. At the end of the year, okay, but a lot of other ones didn't. Didn't a lot of other ones didn't. Most of the well, ones that I think, you know, with with Rocky World, the worst thing in the world for that horse was to win the Santa Anita Derby on that bias aided track. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was just so obvious. And then, you know, they they ran him on dirt a few times. He ran okay, I guess, but. Then they put him back on the turf, and he still couldn't win, and now he's gone. Now he's gone. Just done. And, you know, of all the horses going to stud this year, probably two of them are going to wind up being pretty good signs. Maybe a couple of them are, you know, okay, and the rest of them are going to suck. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Caitlin Freed put up uh, something on Twitter today, a listing of all the Triple Crown horses, winners that have gone overseas to stud over the last, I don't know, couple decades, right? And when you look, there's not a whole lot of mistakes. Nope. Sunday silence, obviously. But, um, you know, Empire Maker, he did come back. But there was a lot of horses that were sent overseas that uh, that just didn't become good stallions. There weren't good stallions here, and weren't good, they weren't great over there. And a lot of times, it's just the the cold hard reality of most stallions fail. And uh, well, Smarty Jones is always the go to. No, no matter how how well made they were, no matter how fast they were, no matter what the race record was, no matter who their you know what their pedigree was. <sighs> There's no telling why some horses, why why into some horses become into mischief, 
and uh, other horses you know, can't you know can't throw anything. Yeah, the intermischief thing still like blows my mind. <laughs> it, it, and that that's the thing is is like you don't see these things coming. You don't see them coming. Um, no one saw Tappet coming. You know, even Stormcat. Stormcat didn't have some monumentally great race record. No. Got beat by Tassel. You know, he, he was a good racehorse, no doubt, but he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a can't-miss star. And he winds up being kind of a breed-changing stallion. And, and it's just, you don't know. Danzig ran, what, two times? Or three times? Just a huge influence, too. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to figure out. And um, you know, why, why some steins work and why others don't work. I've seen lots of theories and, but in the end, the same people that buy horses that go to stud and turn out to be good, they buy a ton of bad ones too. Um, you know, they've just worked the stallion game now to the point where most of the time they've got their investment out in three years and it's almost a, it can't miss deal where if the stallion looks like he's going to be good then they 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 hit a crank it up double or triple or a home run and if the stallion looks no good well they got their money back and then they just send them to turkey or you know or uruguay or somewhere but um but no it, it's a tough it's a tough 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 thing look at spectacular bit who is a better horse than him right like nobody had this the the blinding speed and, and, and the stamina to still run, um, you know, to break what, seven track records, something like that. And then as a stallion, he, he was pretty awful. Yeah, Firmed wasn't really any good. Firm was not a great stallion. Ali Sheba was not a good stallion. Um, which is just so many examples of, you know, why was Seattle Slew a, a great stallion and, and a firm and spectacular bid weren't. No, I don't know. It's it's. I guess that's the the, the mystery is, is is good because that way. I mean, if if there was a way of figuring out, then the richest guys would just buy up all the best ones, right, and, and dominate them even more. So, you know, it was a kind of a weird story today that Satish Samir, who's been the leading. Oh, I saw that. Uh, in Dubai for years, um, he has he they they suspended him because he's on some sort of U.S. Uh, state office terror list of some sort because he was training for the the guy from uh, Chechen Chechen yeah who has been racing horses in Dubai you know forever right dubai which is supposed supposed to be like the 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 the, the black market weapons capital of the world but uh it was kind of a weird deal considering that um someone had said said that uh 
he had tried to send some horses to Clermont and that they were, they got denied. They weren't allowed to run in this country from some official government source outside of racing. Hmm. Not sure how he would have got fingerprints for the guy. But uh, it was kind of a weird story. You know? Yeah, kind of out of the out of left field. Just like, hmm. interesting. Because that's not a guy that really races here. Satish Shamir, he, he doesn't... I mean, I don't. Remember, I don't ever remember him running horse here. No, I don't. I don't. He remember. mostly stays in the in 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 the uh, in the Middle East. I mean, you know, Dubai is is where you see his name most. He had that that horse, that old sprinter. Uh, what was his name? The Jet something. Um, but uh, Learjet. No, not the Learjet. <laughs> <laughs> That's one horse I'm profitable on. Um. Yeah, it was kind of a weird kind of the way it was written was just kind of strange. So, you know, they put they put the horses in the assistant's name, and he said that there's you know an explanation for it all. But uh, so, what if he's like a like a Bond supervillain? So what? That's what the article kind of made it sound like, <laughs> right? Like he's aiding and abetting <laughs> a, a, a terrorist leader. Like he's a horse trainer. What the hell's he doing? Leading the cavalry? I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was, I was just trying to think. Like, listen, if the guy trains horses for him, he ain't making him any money from the most parties. You know. <laughs> then I was thinking, maybe they launder money through it, but it's Dubai. It's like, why would you need to launder money through a horse train? Right. They, they just don't care. <laughs> they would have let him run it colder. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Listen, uh, instead of paying me the bill this month, why don't you send me a couple of them uh, rocket launchers you guys use over there? Okay. We could do that. <laughs> could use one over there at Calder. Yeah, sometimes racing is... Uh, it's, it's, it's You get these strange stories, you know, and kind of out of left field. And and often they're, they're, they just go away. Like, you never hear what happened. <laughs> Right, you you hear it once and like a blip on the radar, and never see it again or hear anything about it. Uh, nope. Uh, anyways, well, not a whole lot of exciting racing coming up. Clark, the card; those are usually pretty good cards. I think Aqueduct's got a real good card on Friday. Full fields. What? It's weird how, how this little aqueduct, the pocket right here. This yeah, they, now they and Christmas, to get, like, like it's almost like some of the guys are, are are figuring they better run before they go south because the purses are so much less, and and the guys who are, uh, you know, they do have that little Christmas break and last shot at turf and, but whatever it, it, it turns this time of the year, they they usually get a couple good weeks of, of really good cards at aqueduct, which. You know, I mean, you think Aqueduct, you, used to, you think of the, the cold weather warriors, but uh, I still really never get over the fact that there's no inner track at Aqueduct anymore. That, that, really... that hurts my feelings. I was talking to my wife about that, and she just could care less. I think I gave her the whole breakdown of the, the entire story of it, and she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And Breezy had a million questions, so I had to I had to do a little mini press conference for her. Listen, man, you either get the, the inner track at Aqueduct or you don't. Right? <laughs> you either get it or you don't. There's no in-betweens. Uh, it, is, it is. If you told me 20 years ago that there'd be no Aqueduct inner track, but they'd have two turf courses. I would have laughed so hard. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> get out of here. Why? <laughs> well, I guess... I guess it'll be someday in the not so distant future that there is no more Aqueduct. Hey. Just like there is no more Hollywood Park, just like there is no more Bay Meadows, just like there's not going to be any more Arlington, and there is no more Calder, and there's no more Suffolk, there's no more uh, Garden State, there's no more Atlantic City, there's no more um, Rockingham, no more Sportsman's Park, no more Greenwood. Man, it's. it's uh, Shrunk. Shrink. Shrink. Shrunk, right? That's from the Grinch. Shrink wrap. Todd Shrump. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. I didn't know Ken Rudolph was in the Army. Yes. Yes, sir. Army guy. Did not know that. Thank you for your service, Mr. Rudolph. I know he was having a stroke the other day when De'Aaron Fox just dribbled right, <laughs> just dribbled the game right away. He's not even trying. That's the best part. Like, you know, what funny was I, I saw his. He made a couple comments because he's like a Sacramento King fan, and he like you know if a guy's a Sacramento King fan, right? He like, has been tortured his whole basketball like cheering life because I mean they they had like a couple glimmers of hope when Chris Webber company was there but even that got snuffed out oh yeah when they got hosed by the lakers and yeah. the Raptors. but but now uh, he made some comment and, and I, I put it on I, I turned the game on and, and i saw you know it was going down to the, the final uh, final seconds against oklahoma city who's theoretically not even trying to win and uh and De'Aaron fox who has been who i drafted in my fantasy team so i know firsthand has been wildly underperforming this year. Um, <laughs> decides to go one on one against maybe the best one on one defender in the NBA, <laughs> which which leads to him being stripped and the other guy running down and, and making a, a, a layup to win the game. <laughs> and I just knew he was going to freak out over that. <laughs> uh, that was good. I should send you that video I have um, about the uh, the conspiracy on that game. In Sacramento, I guess. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, uh-huh. I sure did. And, you know... He just let all... Kobe just unleash the elbow. With, with all, all the stuff that happened with that referee, right? With the... They have to wonder, you know? <laughs> I think they did a, I think they did a horse racing. Let's just cover this up. Let's just, let's just run away from <laughs> as far as possible. Make no comment about nothing, and eventually it'll go away. Nah, that, that that's still alive on the. Because nobody cares about the Sacramento Kings, and they were right. Only Ken Rudolph, and 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 now me, but <laughs> my team stinks. I'm sure no one gives a shit. But my 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 team has just been racked with injuries, and it's uh, early, man. It's early. Trust me. 
I know, but this has got this this it's got that lingering injury karma, man. Nah, it'll get better. The yeah, other teams are gonna suffer. I can't believe I I lost to the worst team in the league. And it was only because I didn't have the, the amount of games. Yeah. I lost because of the, the amount of games, not because my team wasn't good enough. Yeah, mismatched in that regard, but I guess they had to win eventually. The variance of the schedule, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm one in three, so I'm not very happy about that. But today's a new day. I only had a couple guys playing today. It's so funny how, how they schedule. You have, like, two days a week where there's, like, no games. No like, games or two then, games. And then other – then you have, like, four, days, four days where, like, every team plays. You know? Yep. I know it's not an easy thing to do to schedule all those teams, all the flights and all the rules. And, you know, now they can't play back to back to back. And they can't – if they fly more the next amount of hours, then they're not supposed to play this. And that's – you know, they use some supercomputer to set it up, but – but uh, it's crazy. Like football makes no sense. Basketball makes no sense. <laughs> it, it, it really is nuts. I mean, football—you you don't know who's good week to week. No, I mean, like on... look at the Mayor's team. One, one week they're they're they look like they're the favorites to the Super Bowl, and Dak Prescott doesn't even play, and they they win, and then he comes back and they get destroyed by a team who look like they stunk. Look at the Dolphins. Not not a single person picked them. Hey, hey. Even stay close. I did on Thursday. I did. Except you, but you're not on TV. Oh. And and, uh, and they just dominate the game. Just dominate the game. How, How from one week to another, it can be these wild swings. Even look at yesterday, the 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 Seattle game. Look at the Tom Brady's got. Oh, he didn't do beat it up by the football team. Nothing. Nothing. The name. Seattle, right? Russell Wilson comes back. What happens if they get shut out? <laughs> There's guys playing. Like I, I turned the you know the the red zone thing on. I'm like Colt McCoy. I was like, he's still in the league. How? Yeah. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. I thought he retired like five years ago. Nah, he's been hanging out in Seattle. Cam, I mean, Cam had a big comeback yesterday. Pete Iello's like. Cloud nine. He's he's climbing mountains or some something. He better stay out there if he wants to keep winning. But but uh, it's funny. Every year I get like three phone calls. <laughs> hey, did they fire Pete? No, he's taking a vacation like a normal person. Right. What do you think? <laughs> yes. I'm not saying he's normal, but he does get a vacation. And this year, he didn't even squander it by going to watch the Panthers play. Yeah, he actually went to get some of those nice edibles out in Colorado. He's got to be. <laughs> he's climbing mountains, bro. He's got to be. He's got to be doing some kind of edibles. <laughs> I see him climbing stairs to get up to the to the booth, top of the booth at uh, at uh, at Calder. Man, that was that was talk about a little bit of a harrowing situation. Ask B me about that. Oh boy. <laughs> uh but uh yeah B starts Tampa. Tampa starts up pretty Yeah, well. he put up a picture. He's showing he's he's already hard up. to believe but it's it's almost winter man. Like well they, don't they start on Thanksgiving or the day after? Something right? like that. Yeah. Friday they start, right? Fairgrounds and 
starts soon. Uh, Oakland starts soon. Crazy. Well, Seems like it was just summertime. Eh, it's always summertime. Even here, it's... Got a little chilly, though, the last couple of days. Yeah. 60 was chilly. 60 is certifiably cold once you've lived here for a certain amount of time. True. And you you could get a pass, a cold pass. Anyways, it was been uh, it's been real and uh we'll uh well, we'll see what happens this week that we can <laughs> you know something's going to happen that we can pitch about next week. <laughs> Yes, we need to do a future, about future wager on what's going to happen during the week. That that is the great thing about horse racing these days. If you have a podcast, like there's just always, there's never a failure to give us some storyline. Like I had a, like all these ideas about about like uh, <laughs> alternatives. <laughs> no, nah, no, like like, like the, you know, talk about uh, like who should win the Eclipse Award and all that stuff that everybody else does. Not that anyone really gives a shit, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, who cares? Uh, like, who cares who's champion Philly Sprinter? I don't care. <laughs> like, really? Like, what difference does it make? Unless you're associated with the people, unless you um, own a part of the family or, or somehow connected to it, it's just kind of like, oh, that's nice. Like, like today, they announced the baseball rookies of the year. And I was like, shit. I'm sweet. That's great. I never even heard of those two guys. Though, uh, though our girl Caitlin must be happy because, uh, you know, Cincinnati Red won something. So mm. I know she's generally pretty pessimistic on the, on the Red Legs, but uh, the red some leg. guy named India, rookie of the year. I don't know if he's any good because I saw approximately zero Cincinnati Red games this year. But yeah, I mean, like, the Tortugas is a, is a Reds organization team. There you go. You could be the scout. That's right. I got it. I got it unlocked, man. Um, yeah, like uh, you know, we could always. There's always things that we could come up with to discuss to that are kind of controversial a little bit. Oh, I forgot. Um, uh, I'm extending the cone naming. Okay. 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 We had a lot of good ones. Oh man, we we, we might have to dedicate like the first part of the show to that. The F and N is pretty good, man. <laughs> 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 Gulfstream officials may may protest if I write that on the cone, but um, but we're gonna write it on the cone. We're gonna do it. Don't anybody tell. But uh, yeah, we're gonna extend one more week. Name the Gulfstream finish line on a Tapita track cone while it's still doing its duty as the finish line, serving as the finish line. Oh, and somebody hit the pump last night at the pump. Somebody hit the um, uh, the the late pick six Come on. With, uh, with with an eighty cent ticket. Get out! Yeah, or late pick five something. It was like two two one 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 or something like that. Like yeah, Gabe said, it was an eighty cent ticket. Wow! All got got the whole pool scooped with an eighty cent ticket. Yeah, was was bet that bet was made? I guess two hours before post time. So somebody probably made the bet and, and checked back in later. And, and... I was like, "Wait a minute, 
<laughs> got a very healthy surprise in their in their balance. The pump. Yeah, we got to go over to the pump. Yeah, so we can so we can drive. I'm for going sure. to speed. I'm telling you net right now. Well, you're calling for a claiming crown, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Breezy's all set. She's ready. She said the Derby horse is going to be ready, and I said, "Yep." <laughs> as ready as they get. She's uh, she she's definitely wants to eat uh, stone crabs and key lime pie. Those that was her request. So I got no I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. We can do that. That's what that's what that's what's up. Well, that can be arranged. Those are things that we have in our wheelhouse. Oh yeah, we got that. That we got total control over that. Oh, for sure. All right, my man. Sounds good as always. Thank you for your time and thank you for everyone for listening. Get your. You must have more ideas. We might have actually give out two bags. It might be a, a tie. Okay, well, we'll see if we get some more. We got to we got to solicit the entries though. Yeah, Papa B's he put in like 5. He had some good ones. Oh, I'm sure he usually comes up with some stuff. So All right, well, till next week, you can get us at going in circles podcast at gmail or hit Barry up or me up on Twitter and uh, or you could go to the uh, Facebook the Going Circles page so no one seems to go there um, you know where to find us we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week <laughs>